becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger, stranger out of the It's a dream that you to make real. Passing those other songs. Glimmer, glimmer, shift the ship in the sea. Peace, hope, and love coming at you live. <laughs> um, peace, Matt's love, <laughs> and this is live. And this is live. <laughs> oh, cheers, cheers, cheers! I gotta be careful. I kind of, I didn't put the the whatever you call it, the ice cube until later. <laughs> ah. Let's go to the shores. To the shores. Man. Ooh. I feel beat down. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, there was a real breaking point for me um, a couple of days ago. Yeah, how so? Well, it was that video of that guy getting kicked in the head and getting knocked out cold. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't the first of, of that kind that I've seen. But for some reason, this one, I, I just hit a breaking point. I just thought, I'm, I'm sick of seeing this. I'm tired of seeing this. Mm-hmm. Felt awful. Yeah. And I've been having this feeling where when I'm trying to figure out what's going on in the world, mm-hmm. I just feel more and more sick. Yeah. I saw this comic uh, this week that said, the, the caption was, uh, I definitely feel like my desire to be well-informed is at, is at odds with my desire to be sane. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And I just thought, nailed it. <laughs> like I, gotta, I feel like I have to choose one. Which is it going to be? <laughs> yeah. Why is that? I mean, why, why is being informed battle with your, your sanity? I, well, I think because it's so hard. Hmm. Like, I just feel gaslit all the time. Yeah. You know, every headline I read, I feel like I can't trust it. And I've got to go do research to try to figure out whether or not it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, it's exhausting. Yeah. And then the the sort of just like residual feeling of being poisoned by inevitably the lies and manipulation that are baked into the, the headline in the first three paragraphs of the article or... Um, you know, what's, what's being said on mainstream media, it feels so exhausting and I feel so just beat down. And and I think that word gaslit is like, I've never, I don't don't remember ever being aware of this, this word Mm -hmm. until recently, but it makes perfect sense. And I think the definition is being, being made to believe that what's obviously real isn't real. Yeah. Or being made to believe that something is real that obviously isn't real. Mm-hmm. And I feel that all the time. Well, it was with that, the article of what the incident you're talking about before I saw the, um, the video of it is well, I think it was a Washington post. I could get this wrong. Um, but it said like man drives into protesters. Yeah. Right. And I was like, really again? Like, but the thing was, it made it sound like this guy drove into the protesters but if you read the article, right. it, it doesn't say that. And it's just sort of like, what are, what are you doing? Like, why put a headline like that, that suggests, and you know what you're suggesting is that this guy was crazy and he 
drove into protesters out of spite or out of anger or something, you know? Well, this is part of the gaslighting because this isn't the first article or instance in which mm-hmm. there's been a claim that people are driving into protests and trying to mow people down. Yeah. As far as I am aware, I don't think there's a single incident, uh, incidence of that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I've heard of at least, you know, it was like the Garrett Foster incident here in Austin. Yeah. They made the same claim it turned out to not be true. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the gaslighting. It's like the subtle gaslighting that we're being made to believe that this is something that's going on in cities that we can expect to happen. Mm-hmm. And so if you're protesting, you need to be aware that there are people out there who are willing to drive into the crowd to run you over. Yeah. And like, what is that true? I, I have not seen it be true. Yeah. But we just, people keep saying it. Well, I think the thing is like, <clears throat> it's almost the thing. If, like, if we keep saying this or saying this certain narrative, like people will believe it. And I, I feel like that's kind of true. Kind of what is happening. And, and part of like you and I talking about these things is, you know, like we're trying to say, stay sane in these things, but it's, you have to check every single thing to understand the context or what was happening. And, and it's just really, you kind of hope and believe that maybe our sense-making apparatuses, like, I mean, we have the mainstream media, which, you know, say what you will about it, but we would hope that they would be able to distill some of this and help us to engage these things that we're not experts on like COVID. Right. I am not an expert. I'm not a scientist. However, it's like I have to almost become one in order to understand what people are saying. And that's really frustrating. So. That is what's so frustrating. I feel like I, I have to be an expert on everything to be able to trust anything, mm-hmm. which is not possible, right? Like we can't be experts on every, No, No one can be an expert on everything. That's mm-hmm. why an expert is an expert. <laughs> <laughs> so profound, man. Uh-huh. <coughs> um, yeah, like who we're in a real problematic place when we find ourselves wondering who we can trust. Mm-hmm. Or I was having a conversation with somebody about misinformation, and it's like, well, who says what is mis- misinformation and what isn't? Mm-hmm. Like, who do we trust to make that determination? And we're in a real big, um, we have a real big problem, in our, I think, right now because of the internet, because of social media, because of who they're run by. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no regulation that we don't know who to trust. That's tough. And I, and I, I don't feel like I'm, you or I are in a place, well, I won't speak for you. I I don't feel like I'm in a place to like offer solutions to these problems. Mm -hmm. But I think as we were sort of gathering our thoughts on what to talk about tonight, my, I wanted to go, I wanted to set up that premise Mm -hmm. And then say, what what do we do about this? I think personally, like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Finding myself in this place where being well-informed is simultaneously allowing me to understand what's going on in reality, so I assume, but it's and also poisoning me. Mm-hmm. And I keep finding myself in, with these weird feelings of like, am I, by engaging in so-called reality, whether that's media, articles, social media, whatever, am I gaining perspective Hmm. or am I losing perspective? Yeah. It's kind of hard to keep tabs. It's hard to keep score. 
am I improving myself or am I poisoning myself? I don't, I don't know. Well, there's also those, uh, what do you call them? Concentric circles. Kind of like you have your, your immediate needs and circle that you are, um, that are most pertinent to you. It's like, you know, just take it from a city level. Like we have our districts, you know, then we have our city, then we have our county, our state, you know, and Mm -hmm. so it's like, so it's like you have more impact in those smaller circles. And then as you get further outside those circles, your impact is less, although you do have an impact. So maybe there's a certain amount that um, because it's also difficult because all those greater circles, the people that have impact on those greater circles, all that trickles down to the smaller circles too, you know, to the city and the uh, county or uh, and district, you know, type stuff. And I'm just using that more as a metaphor, or as an example. But I think that's, but I think that can also make us sometimes whenever we get to outside of our influence, it can dramatically impact our, our challenge, our impact that we actually have and the control we actually have too. I don't know if that really kind of goes in that because I think it's, I mean, it seems like it is good to have awareness of each of those circles going out, you know? Right. And depending on your, you know, if you're a Senator, then you kind of have to know some of those, you have a greater impact in right. those areas or a, uh, an international business person or national business person or something yeah. like that. Well, I think that's a really good point. And I think we've talked about that before that we are not <clears throat> really psychologically made or prepared to deal with the amount of input that we have at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. I mean, so even like that video that we began the, uh, this this episode talking about, mm-hmm. um, you know, minus the internet, we might not have ever known that that happened because it would have been local news and that news wouldn't have bubbled up and sort of <clears throat> into national news and, mm-hmm. and into our, into our awareness. Yeah. Um, I mean, nonetheless, we have to contend with it. I wonder if but I, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, but I'm just thinking, so, so how do we find, how do we make meaning out of all of this? What, is this? what does this mean to us individually? And how do we, in, in times when, when it's not clear whether you're gaining or losing perspective, how do you actively work to gain perspective against or in relation to a reality that is gaslighting you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, two things come to mind when you say that. One is to constrict yourself and the other is to um to also kind of go more vertical you know Mm -hmm. um so those two things kind of come to my mind and when i when i think of vertical um it's kind of like more of a transcendent view like kind of like taking yourself out and looking above you know it's like uh, there's a lot of language in um, Jesus is used as far as like, you know, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness or, you know, the kingdom of God is within you. You know, there's a certain sort of like going inside and going up, you know, that kind of helps to, um, sort of give your, give your, give some sort of, um, anchor point to Mm -hmm. then kind of move out into the world. Um, 
which seems seems interesting. I mean, again, I probably will bring up a few biblical refer- references because I think they're they're very interesting. Like uh, even Paul talks about we do not war against flesh and blood. So there's also idea of like once we start kind of battling against each other, it's like that's not really a that's kind of a war of power between individuals. It's like there's not really anything gained. It's almost more animal, you know, more instinctual, um, bestial. <laughs> Yeah, I think the the commonality that I see in those two that you just those two references that you just gave is that well, so so what does it mean to be bestial or animalistic? And I think it partly means to be unconscious, mm-hmm. uh, whereas consciousness, as opposed to unconsciousness, is aware of the future iterations of yourself into the future, whereas unconsciousness is not. Mm-hmm. It is focused on the present. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to um, the, what was the first one that you uh, had said? The verses or the... Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, but seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. It, it, is, it is about, I, I think what that is, is about is about transcendence mm-hmm. and is ultimately the... <clears throat> seeking out all of the possible future iterations of yourself Mm -hmm. so long as they are transcendent, meaning you are becoming the best version of yourself Mm. that you can be. And that I think is encapsulated in this imagery of the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. But all of those things, these two ideas are future facing. Yeah. And one of the, one of the, key features of this feeling of being gaslit and beat down against reality is that it is stagnant. Mm -hmm. It's not forward facing or, or future facing. And so I wonder if, because you feel like, well, how do I change this? Yeah. And there isn't a great answer Hmm. or at least a tangible answer. You know, I can't keep that guy in Portland from getting, kicked in the head, it can't affect anything going on in Portland. Yeah. So what do I do? And I think, I think your suggestion is correct, is that I look up Mm -hmm. personally and individually. And maybe that means, well, so, so, so maybe that, I don't want to move too quickly away from this, but It, it is to orient yourself toward the future. And that means taking stock of what's in the present and deciding what is the next iteration of the present. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I think there's this idea that, or it occurs to me that you can't change the present because the present is immediately the past. You can only change the future based upon based upon the present. Yeah. I say, I don't like this, <clears throat> but what will the next iteration of this be? And what is my agency in that? Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Cause like you almost have to play out a lot of different games, you know, it's like play a lot of games into the future, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like, what do I want to accomplish? What is it that is, what is, what is good and, great, you know, that, that, that I want to be or accomplish or I want for others or something like that. So you almost have to have a vision of some sort 
that what you want the future to be in order to move into move to that direction. So it's like, which I find it interesting right now is like, there's a lot of divisive, um, reiterations into the future, you know, as far as like, you know, whether you take the, you know, Robin D'Angelo sort of like, you know, it's not whether or not it's not if something was a racist situation is whether is where, how did racism occur? Mm-hmm. It's like you project that into the future is like, and to live in a society that has that as their mentality. It's like, that is a horrible, horrifying way to live. Mm. <clears throat> if you're always aware and trying to figure out that, and you're only left with that binary, I mean, that's, there's no vision. There's no vision. Well, you had mentioned this before the podcast, but in Proverbs, it says where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Mm. And I thought, what a diagnosis of the current political landscape Mm -hmm. and social landscape. I mean, we look at what's going on in the, the, the election and Where's the vision? Mm-hmm. I don't see vision. I don't see leaders. Yeah. I look at the protests. I don't see vision. I see anger. I see a group of people who have cast off restraint. Mm-hmm. Burning, looting, killing, beating. Yeah. And maybe it is that there isn't that there isn't a vision. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's um that seems like, like I said, such a diagnosis of what we're dealing with. Yeah. I feel like at the beginning of, especially the protest part, there was a little bit more mixture of sort of like vision, like, um, as far as, you know, this idea that we need to kind of care for each other, you know? but it's, it, it, it feels like it's kind of quickly was led in so many different directions. You know, it's like that it kind of lost its, its higher vision. You know, it's, a, it's, it's become more of, you know, again, it's just, it's, it's so hard because I'm, we're, Matt and I are tripping over this because we look at like a lot of the different types of media. <laughs> and so it's like how, how each media is, is, is uh, portraying these things that are going on. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's it's hard to speak to it because we also don't want to only engage one narrative in this dialogue. Uh, so if we if it sounds like we're we're focusing on one aspect and not another, it's 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 not we're we're trying to like kind of cover <laughs> a lot of these different places, you know. Um, I just say that because. I'm just having a hard time ad- addressing this and cause I'm seeing so many different, like, you know, narratives that are, are driven in this area, you know, whether, you know, peaceful protest and, um, rioting versus, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the two really main is like the, the dichotomy between rioting and protesting and how, you know, sometimes, or it seems like more and more of the, protesting is actually rioting that's happening. And a lot of that's not being reported as far as Chicago, Portland, Mm -hmm. Seattle, and, and some other cities too. So 
I just went off on a little <laughs> side note there. Well, it's funny. Eric Weinstein in one of his podcasts was talking about how all of that shifted. And it's like the scene from Animal House where there's a parade going down the street and somebody comes in and like pushes the director out of the way and then starts just leading the parade down a blind dead end alley. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, what started with some sort of direction got hijacked and is now running itself against a building, literally. Yeah. Yeah, well, what is it right now? I don't even know. It's been hard to keep up with, mm-hmm. um, and it depends on what city you're yeah. talking about. I mean, in Austin, things seem to be fairly calm, although I keep being surprised when something sort of crazy happens mm-hmm. downtown. I mean, apparently the, the protests and marches and shutting down of streets is you know, still happening. Yeah, I, I, I heard again, like I was like last week they tried to shut down I-35 again. I, yeah. think, I think it was last week. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow. I didn't realize that was still going on, right? And then yeah, you I hear didn't about know that it, either. Right. Um, but you don't hear about it. It's just, you don't hear about it. That's pretty big news for Austin. I mean, shutting down a highway. Like, yeah, but are you following like Austin News Horses? Uh, I guess Austin Business Journal is probably hmm. the closest. Yeah. But they wouldn't really cover that stuff for the most part. Right. And like I, fi- I follow the mayor Mm-hmm. On Twitter, um, oh, yeah. I haven't really seen him talk much about it. Mm-mm. But yeah, it's it's strange to get a, a a feel for what is the state of things. Mm-hmm. How have things progressed and evolved? And I, I really get the sense that we are going to be in some sort of holding pattern for the next two months. Yeah. I think that there's some feeling or idea that the election is the answer to this. And I, well, I don't think that's true. (laughs) I think the election is going to be a catalyst Mm -hmm. into something, into something else. I wonder if we're just, if we need to get our, get off of this, the president means so much thing, you know, because we do have three branches of government. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and I, again, I'm not arguing with like the president does have a lot of authority and, um, uh, you know, I've heard some different things, how more and more authority has been given to the president in certain areas, but, but not to argue that, but I just, I don't, I don't know if we just put too much stock in that area, but I, I'm kind of cringing at when I, when I say that, because like, um, a lot can change depending on who is president too. So, right. So maybe I'll back off on my point on that one. Well, I'm always wary to talk about politics because I just don't understand it enough or, Mm -hmm. you know, I can't speak authoritatively on it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think you're right. Traditionally who the president is, has not had incredibly major effects on day to day life. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, maybe sort of long term sort of sea change stuff. Mm perhaps, um, you know, but I would expect that like policy wise, it doesn't matter who gets elected. Like not all that much is going to change. Mm-hmm. And some of you may hear me say that and say, well, Matt's ignorant. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And well, <laughs> that's partially true. <clears throat> um, that's just my experience. But I, I think that the social reaction to the outcome of this election is what mm. I'm talking about when I say that it's going to be a catalyst. Yeah. And 
it does feel to me like, so like with, with, uh, coronavirus, COVID-19, I don't think anything's going to change until the election. Hmm. Like, I think that half of the country is saying, well, COVID is Trump's fault. It's his bad policy that's making COVID a thing. And so they're not willing to change their perception or risk tolerance around COVID until Trump is out of office. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it also make the economy better too. If it was right, Mm -hmm. right, and the the economy can't be better because that might help Trump's chance of reelection. Yeah, and the other side is saying like, "Hey, we've updated our risk tolerance based upon so quote unquote reality." Mm -hmm. Um, And then you get into this pit of like, "Well, what does that mean? What does the science say?" Mm -hmm. The left is calling the right science deniers, um, but also ignoring published statistics from credible institutions. So it's like you can kind of pick up the pieces to make whatever point you want to make on either side of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that everybody's just sort of like, well, I'll stick to my position until the election, which, you know, for one side means we can finally like prove that what this half of the country says. And the other side is we can finally get this guy out and institute policy that can make all of this better. Mm -hmm. Um, all that to say, it feels like we're in a holding pattern with Corona. It also mm-hmm. feels like we're in a holding pattern with all of the crazy violence that's going on. Mm-hmm. Like I can't understand why the violence is being allowed to continue. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think it's being allowed to continue because there's some sort of like point to be made. And old, and, and that point is to be made to be resolved somehow through the election. Yeah. And this is foolish thinking, mm-hmm. I, I think, but that does seem, that seems to be where we are. See, it's even hard to believe that. I mean, I, 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 I see what you're saying and it's, it's like, could people be that intentional about this? You know, like that sounds, that's almost devious, you know, as far as, um, someone allowing their city to, well, shit. I mean, up until now, it's like if people were rioting the way they were, you would bring the police in and dispel it. You know, it's like, but cities and mayors are not doing that. Mm-mm. It's like, why? I mean, like, again, just Brett and Heather live in Portland and they're just, you know, and they're, they're pretty far left too. And, um, they're just like, what is going on here? <laughs> Bless you. Yeah, man. I, I definitely say, I have say Brett and Heather. Like I know them, right? Like, my friends, Brett and Heather. <laughs> I was just gonna say I definitely have the dad sneeze. Oh yeah, <laughs> you get it once you have kids. <laughs> but yeah, Brett, Brett and Heather. Well, I wonder. Um, okay, so let's like, if for the last seventy nights we had people actively attempting to burn down the Austin courthouse. Mm -hmm. I honestly can't imagine how I would feel. I mean, I I love this city Mm -hmm. dearly. Yeah. I would feel hurt and betrayed and angry that this is happening. And the fact that it's being not only allowed to happen, but even encouraged. Yeah. Um, I, I, I struggle to understand that. And I think you're right. It does seem like you use the word devious. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't think it's as simple as, okay, here's my plan. I'm just going to ignore this to make a point for the election. Mm -hmm. It's much more complicated than that. And I think that it has something to do with the crazy, unhinged world of postmodernism in which there's no such thing as objectivity. Mm -hmm. You can sort of... So long as things don't mean anything, you can make sense of it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I don't know. I mean, it does, but it does. I have for a long time been feeling um, like there is something very devious at play. And I don't know where it's coming from. Like, I'm not sure if it's well, political think- necessarily even. Mm-hmm. It's, but there is a spirit of deviousness. I think that's the problem is that there's a certain amount of understanding the problem, but if we don't have, if we don't have a, a different vision to promote, then it's like, it's, it's kind of pointless. It's more of like, you're just pointing out what's wrong. You know, it's like, it's like someone needs to come along and call people to something greater. Right. You know, even with all the race stuff right now, it's sort of like whose fault, everybody's fault your fault. You know, you're not white enough. You're not black enough. You don't have enough of a, you're not left enough. You're not right enough. You know, it's like, and everyone's just sort of at each other's throats for all these different, you're not safe enough for COVID. You you know, it's like, Oh, you're crazy. You're, you're in a bubble. (laughs) You know? So it's like, there's no, there's no driving vision. Like what are we trying to achieve here? You know, that's really true. It is a lot of pointing out, what's bad mm-hmm. and not a lot of casting of what could be yeah like what is the best version of america look like mm-hmm. what is the best version of america that we could realistically accomplish in the next two months or six months or year or or let's say four years mm-hmm. in the next presidential term what is what does success look like yeah i mean that's another thing that really bothers me about the current political landscape is that well, it's exactly what we just said, that it's all, here's what you did wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like him, love him, hate him, despise him. Mm -hmm. Trump is our president, and we should care about his success because his success (laughs) is the success of our country. (laughs) We should also care about his failures. Mm -hmm. But no one's willing to talk about what, anything Trump may have done well, mm-hmm. you know, um, I mean, like, that, the, like the peace uh, agreement and, uh, it, between Israel and, um, mm-hmm. United Emirates, I, think yep. I believe it was. Yeah. Like that was kind of a big deal. I don't really understand what it is, but apparently it was a big deal. <laughs> yeah, I know nobody covered it. It was just like, well, yeah. Yeah. That's pro that's, that's a problem. Yeah. I mean, and it a- does, it does like kind of bring to mind, Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. Like he had a vision, yeah, a vision that people cared about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. It was a it was a unifying vision. It didn't have to. It wasn't about your skin color, your religion. Like it was a vision about people coming together and seeing each other as individuals. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Well, I just. <laughs> The, the Democratic, the DNC is just grossing me out right now. Mm-hmm. Like, talking about vision and what came to my mind was um, 
Brett Weinstein's Unity 2020 plan, which, uh, you know, we've talked about on this podcast. It's been one of the only things politically I felt excited about that actually does feel like unity. Mm -hmm. Like we should get people with different perspectives who are competent and patriotic to work together and come to agreement. That sounds amazing. That (laughs) feels like a vision that's worth fighting for. That's like kindergarten. Yeah, right. You know, it's like, hey, you guys are different. Okay, let's come together yeah. and let's agree. And like, you know, even yeah. though we disagree, it's like, you know. <laughs> but the Democrats, they, they, you know, they got Joe Biden and then he finally picked his VP and now they're doing their whole convention thing. And so they're rolling out this, this new amount, this new rhetoric. And like the two words that I keep hearing are unity and patriotism. And I'm thinking, wait, you've been saying the opposite of that for the past six months. Yeah. You've been talking about how horrible America is and how, and, and honestly, the left has been just as divisive as they claim Trump is. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden they're, they're flying the flag of unity and patriotism. And I just feel grossed out by it. Yeah. And it bums me out because I was really supportive of them for a Mm -hmm. long time. And also they're just like, stealing that word from the, the plan that I actually felt inspired by. Uh-huh, totally. Yeah. Cause if you listen, uh, I just listened to the first night and then some snippets from the second night and I guess the third night's right now. So, um, but the messages were all over the place. Like there was this unity part, but then there was also this divisiveness too. And it's, it was just like, it was just, it, depending on the, who got up there to speak, it was just sort of like a little bit, disturbing, you know, as far as yeah, what was being said and <clears throat> how we move forward in this. I was, I was watching David Pakman. He's a kind of a progressive guy is commentating on it. And just to hear his comments on it was really like, he liked certain parts of it and didn't like certain parts of it. Um, but I feel like they're trying to gather too much, <clears throat> be too broad in their, in their, their messaging too. They're trying to grab this really far left, side and trying to seem more moderate mm-hmm. but most of most of the most of the the messaging up to this point has not been in the moderate area and i've i've read many articles saying the contrary to this but it, what they weren't very convincing it was just more of like it was almost like they were trying to tell me that they're that it's actually is moderate and everything else is really far right you know <laughs> which it doesn't really map <clears throat> to uh, I think reality, but, uh, you know, well, they're, I could be wrong. <laughs> they're gaslighting just as much as mm-hmm. anybody else. Mm-hmm. Well, so maybe to shift to, to, to divert, I mean, this is part of the problem trying to think about like, how do I personally deal with this gaslighting and the beatdown and, mm-hmm. and the, the inevitable, inevitable turn of every conversation into politics. <laughs> totally. We were like, let's not talk about politics. Yeah, right. Ever, like, like we're not a political show. No, we're not. <laughs> but and maybe this is just, you know, the, for the next several months, this is just the way this is going to be. I don't mm-hmm. know. Or, or maybe it's just that we've entered a stage in our life where like, we're like, you know, my dad would always listen to like political talk shows when I was in the car <laughs> and like too young to pay attention, wondering why would you listen to this drivel? Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like, maybe it's just like a, a age thing. Uh, um, <clears throat> Well, so you asked me a question before, when we were talking before the podcast, like, how mm. do you gain new perspective? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I thought, that's worth thinking about and talking about. Mm. Because in this, in this climate, I think, like, the, 
the the nullified answer is, well, go get more information. Yeah. Like we've already proven that that's only a way into more confusion and poisoning, mm-hmm. you know, unless you really have the energy to keep your wits about you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's worth thinking about and talking about how do, how do I gain some new perspective in a way that, that doesn't require me sort of querying reality or, or the outside world in some way. Mm-hmm. And I think my first answer to you was, um, create, uh, create or get rid of a habit mm-hmm. and or change a routine. Yeah. I've been thinking about that. Um, at first in terms of, could I take a break from input somehow? Maybe that's like, like Dave Rubin, one of the podcasters we like, mm. uh, takes every August off, like doesn't <laughs> like he's like phone is in a locked safe apparently you know yeah, no, when he goes out so dramatic <laughs> it's very dramatic and like when he goes out somewhere he makes sure to avoid tvs or newspapers or, mm-hmm. and uh you know most of us can't really do that i don't think i can but what other what else could i do and maybe one of the habits just i've been thinking could be like maybe i don't use my phone for the first hour of the day what could that do just giving myself time to process without external input. Hmm. That might change my perspective on some things. I think it, I think, I think it would. It does seem that way. And when's the last time you kind of took a little bit of a break or even just whether intentionally or unintentionally, like from that stuff? Yeah. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Probably years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think what I, well, when I go to the when I go to the beach every summer, I take off my watch, so I'm not getting any uh, alerts, you know. Yeah. And then I try to leave my phone in the in the beach house. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a little something. Cause, I mean, I'm not like I'm I'm still on it, you know, but just yeah, not as accessible, you know. That's nice. Yeah. Well, another habit I sort of started changing. <laughs> uh, was I, I listen, I think we both listen to a lot of podcasts, <laughs> Yes, like probably three or four a day on average, which is insane uh, a little bit. Well, I think it's because like, we're around each other so much that it's not, we don't think it as insane. No, it feels very normal very because normal. I'm like, do you hear this one? You're like, yeah, I listen to that one. <laughs> totally. Um, but the, I think the way it's like, I've had people ask me like, how do you consume that much? And I'm like, that's really not that hard. It's like, I just listen to it while I'm doing the dishes or when I'm doing yoga or mm-hmm. walking the dog or, um, you know, whatever chores around the house. <clears throat> um, but the other day I sat, I sat down to do yoga and I always listen to a podcast when I'm doing yoga and I, I picked up my phone and I opened it and I tried to look through what I wanted to listen to. And I got this now familiar sort of poison feeling Hmm. like I can't consume any more of this crap. Yeah. And I had this novel idea that I don't know why I never thought of it before, (laughs) but what was like, I was like, what if I just listen to music instead? Uh (laughs) And so I, uh, I decided I needed something very cleansing, like no lyrics, Hmm. you know, no information. So I put on an old, Sugar Ross record. Oh, nice. Sugaros. Sugaros. I don't know how to say it. Mm. Um, 
And man, it was, it was, it was mm. a beautifully cleansing yoga experience. Nice. <laughs> no new input. I just was able to sort of sit and percolate and have some like, um, some things process and move through, which is supposed to be the point of yoga anyway. Right? <laughs> yeah, totally. <clears throat> um, so, but just thinking about little habits and routines that we can change in order to gain new perspective that, that involve less input mm-hmm. rather than more in order to accomplish. Yeah. Oh, that just sounds nice. Just thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely finding those moments in the day, like I was telling you earlier, like, like uh, we we got this above ground pool, and so I'll after work I'll go and sit in it, and I'll read a little bit, but then I'll just just sit and look at the clouds, and uh, maybe because everything is so intense right now, just that just even a little bit of that, I just feel so much more released. Mm. But I think there's something that we need that we just need we need some release from this because I mean. People are not able to travel as much, you know, the right. parks are hard to go to. No swimming pools are open. It's like, there's so much restriction right now. I think a lot of the natural outlets that people have are somewhat barred from us right. participating in. And it's really difficult. I think what you were saying was like building a new habit is really hard to do. Um, yeah, I think you have to look in places that you wouldn't normally look. Mm-hmm. Like simple areas that are mm-hmm. hard to come up with because they're so obvious mm-hmm. and so ingrained into our <clears throat> habitual routines. Yeah. I liked what you were you were telling me about sort of documenting your dreams. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you wake up in the morning not allowing your consciousness to sort of click into gear into what I'm doing this day, Mm -hmm. but allowing there to be some space of time in between consciousness and beginning the day Mm -hmm. in which to think through the dreams that you had. Yeah. It's so funny. Like I had to be so careful because once I allow that floodgate to open, it took a lot, it takes a lot of work to close it off again. So it's like the floodgate of the, the, the the thoughts. Yeah. It's like, or like of some sort of idea I've been thinking about for a while to take over and start moving me forward into the day. So just like, I really just stop and it's, it's, it's a great example of it is, is like a dam and I just have to keep these things kind of dammed up and allow my, my dreams to kind of just sit there and they'll just kind of start revealing themselves to me. And then I, I'll grab a little piece and then I'll kind of think about it and another piece will come and then I'll, oh yeah. And this all, so this other dream. And so these pieces are sort of kind of unfolding, yeah. which is really nice, but I have to keep that dam, that all this other stuff dammed up. And that, that's been a really nice little, um, exercise. I, I've, I've, I think, I, I think I had that, I think I had that discipline earlier, probably a couple of years ago. And slowly have lost that discipline. And I was just reminded of it this week that I had kind of lost that discipline of allowing myself to kind of slowly come to consciousness, right. <laughs> you know, but I'm glad is I'm glad I was kind of reminded of it. I think that's going to be, that might be one of my, uh, yeah, it probably doesn't take that much time either. Mm-mm. Like I would imagine 10 minutes or something. 
I wonder if it's who you are. Cause like Allison, she wakes up, she's just kind of, uh, you know, she just kind of rolls into her day, you know, it's like right. where I wake up, I'm like, boom, I'm on. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's asleep, awake, go. Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder if different people experience that moment differently, you know? Right. I'm very similar. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once consciousness hits. <laughs> yeah. Like got to get up, got to make coffee, got to start, got to check in on this, check in on that. Uh-huh. Yep. <clears throat> You know, like a a high level observation is that a lot of people who talk about successful people will often spend a lot of time observing and describing their morning routines. Hmm. There does seem to be something really important about morning and how you, how you begin the day. Mm -hmm. And I think we know this ritually, like if you're a coffee drinker, it's not the caffeine addiction as much as it is the ritual of the coffee in the morning that's important to you. Mm -hmm. It's the, the getting up, the getting up, the preparing of the holding of the cup, the warmth of the cup, the, you know, the couple of, it's like during the school year when, you know, my kids were going to school, I would get up at five 45. I probably didn't need to get up at five 45. I, you know, I could have gotten up at six 15 and had enough time to get everything done to get out the door by seven thirty, I think is when we left or something like that. Yeah. But I decided to consciously get up 30 minutes earlier so I could make coffee and sit hmm. alone in silence. <laughs> and that was really became really, really important to me. Yeah. And maybe it is like about this, like sorting and filtering and processing part, you know, part dream, part consciousness, part, past part future mm. like sitting in between in the transitional state yeah <clears throat> it's just amazing like what goes on in our unconscious you know what we what we're processing what we're going through in that in those times of you know reorienting ourselves or whatever it might be you know it's like even when i i write down all my dreams and looking at them and there's a certain sense to them, you know, as, as far as like that I've seen over the years, you know, it's like, I mean, what, I don't know how everyone thinks about dreams and stuff like that, but I do find there's a certain, there's a certain story being told. And the more I'm aware of that story, I find it also informs my, my, my waking hours too, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, and it might be just something really odd or awkward, that doesn't really make sense to me, but it's, it actually starts to unfold. You know, it's like almost like a painting or a picture and you look at it and there's some sort of information or that's communicated through that to you. That's personal, um, that you then draw into your life, you know, that's interesting. I mean, whatever it is that's going on in your unconsciousness during sleep, that's, Mm -hmm. that is coming to life in this movie of a dream, whether you think about it or deal with it has to inform your psychological state when mm. you begin the day. Yeah. Because it is sort of the pre-birth. Mm. It's like it's like the womb state that the day emerges from <laughs> in, in terms of your psyche. That's beautiful. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Well, so, it's like... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was, was going to move into like vision stuff, but uh, what? Uh, unless you want to stay on that topic for a second. No, let's go to yeah. vision. So this is, this has kind of bothered me a little bit. Like I don't, 
like I'm a very vision oriented person, like in having, I would say right now I have the least amount of vision that I've had. Maybe 2013 was, was one of those years, <clears throat> but uh, you know, to what I'm moving towards, I don't think it's as exaggerated as what I'm talking about, but usually like for like, you know, for Medici specifically, like I'll see, you know, six months, the two years ahead. Mm-hmm. And it's not that necessarily like what I'm seeing is what will be accomplished, but it's, I'm moving towards or in that direction, yeah. you know? Um, one area in my life right now that's been put down is a lot of my studies. Um, I'm, I'm a lot of input, but most of the inputs through podcasts. Right. Um, and then I'm, I'm reading some literature. I'm, I'm doing some reading, but not the studying I used to. And that kind of bothers me a little bit. And I feel like I get a lot of vision as I start exploring and having fun. Like, I feel like a lot of stuff I'm looking into right now is almost more out of necessity than it is explorative. Well, I think this goes back, circles back to the beginning of the podcast with mm-hmm. that quote from the, from the comic mm-hmm. that <clears throat> the desire to be well-informed is at odds with the desire to be sane. Mm-hmm. I've, I felt the same effect. I mean, most of the exploratory books that I was reading, mm-hmm. I pretty much put down several months ago. Yeah. Because when I decide to sit down and read, I think, well, I've got five articles that I've queued up over the last couple of days that seem really important to understand if I'm to, going to engage in any insightful way into mm-hmm. what's going on in the world. Yeah. Totally. So maybe that's, you know, maybe you have to brute force your vision back mm. by making one of those habitual changes. Oh, interesting. And in, in saying, I'm not exploring because I don't feel like I can because I don't have the time in the face of all of this reality to understand and say, well, I'm not understanding all the reality anyway. This hour of every day is dedicated to anything that's not understanding the current reality (laughs) landscape. So it's, I'm going to read a fantasy novel or I'm going to continue, you know, this exploration into particle physics or, uh, neuroscience. Yeah. Something Um, small. Yeah. Something small, something insignificant, (laughs) something playful. Uh Maybe that's the thing is like, like we need to play some, you know, like Allison has dance. Like that's something that's playful for her. Yeah. I'm dorky and I'll want to study something, <laughs> but something for fun. I can like, like I can put down, like I, I remember at one point up until COVID even into COVID a little bit, but man, I'd be picking up a book, reading some of it. And I'll be like, Oh, I remember this part. I will go over and I pick up another book and read a couple chapters of it. And then I remember, Oh, young talked about this over there. And I'll be like, and there's this playfulness that like, oh, wait, what is that? And I have to like go figure out what that is and then come back to the thing. And you know, like I put down Peterson's book, Maps of Meaning, because I was like, man, there just feels like there's something more to this that I'm missing. And then I picked up the Eric Newman book, Origins mm-hmm. and History of Consciousness. And I was like, oh, okay, now it's framing, you know, it's yeah. like. So, I mean, that was just so much fun. I mean, even right now, I'm just like, oh, look, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Maybe that's another, like, skill to f- 
like foster mm-hmm. noticing when you're happy <laughs> and saying, how can I, what am I doing to cause this and how can I do more of it? Yeah, totally. Well, I think too, even in you and I's conversations off podcasts, it's like, usually we have these like stern looks on our face, you know, and like, and, and like we're really racking our brains about like, are we insane or is everybody else <laughs> insane? Like, or is it both? Or is it both? <laughs> yeah. And before is like, we also had this more playfulness and, and banter in it. That uh-huh. was like a lot more, there wasn't, there was as much gravitas to it. You know, it's totally true. It's like a lot of our conversations recently start with like, did you see the shit? <laughs> Which shit are you talking about? I saw this shit. You didn't see this shit. No, let me show you this shit. Did you not see this shit? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we're just feeding ourselves. Well, feedback loop or something. I don't know. No, I, I think a lot of people are dealing with the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe we need to realize that like, <clears throat> if we're not careful, mm. it's just all shit. Yeah, totally. <laughs> we need to in- engineer some shit free time. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, I think the thing is like, we're also dealing with some things in the world. It's, it's like, you don't, you don't want to get blindsided by something, you know, like it's something as simple as anti-racism, you know, it's like, you know, what does that mean? You know, like, or there's all these different words and that are out there right now that are so prevalent and people are like talking about and into, and it's like not knowing where did it come from? How was it wrote? Where were the intentions? Not just the, um, the feel good aspect of it, but what is behind all of that? And it's like, like that's some heavy shit, you know, it's like, so, so maybe there's a se- there maybe there's seasons for that. Like you, there's seasons to have that sort of like intense scowly face, you know, but knowing when that season mm-hmm. needs reprieve or yeah. to take a break, you know, I mean, whether it be business or, or whatever it might be, you know, right. even music, like you need to step away for a second so you can get some fresh perspective and come back to it. You right. Know? Well, maybe that's partly what I was saying earlier about <clears throat> like the election being some mm. demarcation, like whatever the season is that we're in right now, mm-hmm. it's going to shift in November. Yeah. And I don't know what it's going to shift into, hmm. but I do think that we have some say in that. Yeah. And, I, and by that statement, I don't just mean go vote. <clears throat> I mean, definitely go vote. But it's not exactly what I mean. I mean something more about <clears throat> if we choose to in the moment to moment, in the moments of our life, align ourselves in a direction that is... in that is future looking toward our own transcendence. Hmm. You know, maybe it goes back to the concentric circles idea that you were talking about earlier is that we can affect the things that we don't have direct effect over simply by transforming the circle within. Mm-hmm. So if I can transform my own private mental life, I can transform my home and affect my kids' lives. Yeah. And if I, and if that, if that causes some transformation toward the transcendent in their lives, then that affects an outward, next outwardly, uh, the next outward circle. Mm-hmm. And as you said earlier, you mm-hmm. can apply this from a 
home, to a community, to a city, to a county, to a state, and so on. Yeah. Yeah, you just kind of, you kind of like, uh, you kind of opened up a few things in my, my head when you were saying that. And that was really, uh, um, the first part was that I'm really, I'm really concerned for, for people in this, especially with the election part, you know, and how we treat people, our neighbor, based on who you vote for, yeah, you know, or the political views you espouse. And it's, I feel like it's just, there's a real danger to, to judge people again by the color of their skin or their political views. Um, maybe even their religion or whatever, you know, and it's like, how do, how can we get, be, get up, go above that? Hmm. And I think that's something that, something that I want to see and, and I, I I hope I can promote that in my own ways. I mean, there's, there's, it's, it's okay to be critical and to question things, but there's a difference between that and demonizing more of a destruction or tearing down. You know, it's like, I, I, I want right. to make a distinction there in some way, because I mean, you do need to think critically and you do, you do need to engage with ideas. Well, I am somewhat concerned that this election cycle, the vote is being cast as a moral choice. Hmm. And when you're talking about sort of engaging with your neighbor, um, you know, there's, there's no Trump signs in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And if there were, it would be a bold ass move. Yeah, totally. (laughs) But I would love it if there was a Trump sign and I would walk by the house and I talked to someone and they said, I said, Oh, you're, you're voting for Trump. I'm so glad. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not voting for him, but I'm glad that you are. And that we live in a country where you get to make that choice. Yeah. And you get to, you get to make a choice that I don't agree with. Yeah. Or, or, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, how incredible is it? It's supposed to be that it's so incredible that we live in this country where we get to disagree and that gets to be okay. Mm-hmm. And, and, somehow we've wound up in this scenario where it's immoral. The left says it's immoral to vote right. The right says it's immoral to vote left. This is not a winning game. Mm -hmm. The winning game is the ultimate morality of our country is that you get to decide. Yeah. Not that you should decide one way or the other Mm -hmm. is that you have the power. Yeah. Like maybe that would be a great thing to do is like, Find somebody who's voting differently than you and just say, I'm so glad, so glad you're doing that. That's what makes our country amazing. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just thinking like, who would be fine? We're like, we'll just tell both sides. Hey, I'm so glad you're voting for Trump. Hey, I'm so glad you're, <laughs> you're voting, voting for, for Biden. Biden. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that'd be a good thing. Uh, you know, uh, have you this seen this great country? Have you, you seen this that? sign in yards that says I'm so going to vote? Yeah. What is that? Yeah, about? I I don't know. It's stupid, and I hate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds like more like a anti-Trump thing. I'm so gonna vote. Get that guy. Orange it kind of does. Yeah, orange hair guy. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I think maybe we should just start a sign that's like, "I'm so glad you get to vote." Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's be our campaign. 
I don't know for what. That would be such a more, it would be a much more powerful sign because it's like, uh-huh. it's not here's who I'm voting for or here's who you should vote for or mm-hmm. you should vote. It's you get to vote. Yeah. And I'm so glad. Everyone gets to vote. Yeah. Everyone. Unless you're under 18. <laughs> or you've committed a felony. Or you committed a felony. That's true. Or you're not a citizen of this country. That's true. Well, that <laughs> makes sense because, you know, <laughs> you kind of have to be a citizen to vote. <laughs> oh, wait, there, there's some talk about Never mind. I don't want to get that stuff. Yeah. I'm so glad you get to vote. Yeah. Me too. Well, I still want to, I, I still want to get, I, I don't know how we can kind of break through to this. I don't know if really now is the time to do it, but I want to, I want to hear some people cast vision for the future that, yeah. that we can, that we can get on board with. And it, um, like there was a hint and this, I don't think it's actually happened, but like Tulsi Gabbard and Dan Crenshaw for unity, 2020, for unity 2020 yeah. like I was like, oh, I can get on board with that. I, I don't know. That sounded kind of interesting to me. Well, yeah, we'll see. It does sound interesting. I don't, I don't think it's happening, but maybe not. I don't know. It's so frustrating. I really want that to work because I love that idea in principle or philosophy. I like well, that. you know, maybe that is our, our, um, we should assign ourselves that task is mm-hmm. to be aware of vision when we see it and try to Ooh. capture it, write mm-hmm. it down. Like I would love to be able to sit okay. down to next week's podcast and say, I found some vision. Okay. Here it is. I think that's great homework for this week. Okay. I'm like, I would probably have to find different podcasts to listen to. I don't know, Brett, we must know how good it was with some vision. Well, but this is the thing about vision mm. is it, it's like once you have it, it changes your behavior. Mm. Because once you're aware of it, you're aware of what is commensatory with it and what is... Um, Whatever the opposite of that word that I just said is. It's uh, awesome. <laughs> I tried to use obfuscate today. Obfuscate. Yeah, I couldn't say it. It was perfect. It's I used the it. worst word to say. Oh, it was great. You said it? Uh-huh, I did. And I nailed I, it. I nailed it, but I, didn't, I said it like obfuscate. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the worst word to pronounce. It's yeah, a great word. It's a great obfuscate. Word. I was so proud of myself, except for my messing it up. So. <laughs> well, I'm proud of you. Uh, thanks. <laughs> All right. Yeah. What what episode is this? Like 40? 40. Damn, dude. Yeah. Woo! Yeah, here's You're 40. not 40, are you? I'm 42. 28. <laughs> we'll get to your age soon. Yeah, soon. We've passed my age. <laughs> 40 episodes. Mm-hmm. Well, cheers, you guys. Thanks for listening along with yeah. us. And I'm so glad you get to vote. Yeah, I'm so glad you get to vote, too. And I'm. we want to hear your visions, too, so... What do, what do you have? I don't know how you get Instagram us, DM us, <laughs> <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> Anyways. All right. We'll see you guys. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. <laughs>